Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hey, it is episode nine of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. Welcome. I am so glad that you are listening today. This week, it is finally March. Spring is on the way. I'm so happy. I don't know about you guys, but totally done with winter and I didn't have it nearly as bad as the rest of you. And as this episode airs, I am off to the Great Homeschool Convention in Greenville, South Carolina. Now, I'm a bit of a convention pro. This is my fourth time attending. I love to go to the homeschool convention. I always make it a big event and take some friends with me, make it a real mom's weekend away. It's a little different for me this year because I finally get to meet my bestie, Sarah McKenzie. We're going to be meeting there for the very first time and just enjoying each other's company and having a great time. I go to be inspired. Yes, I typically spend too much money when I go, but that's all part of the fun. I really love the classical panel that they have there and the really inspiring speakers like Dr. Christopher Perrin and Andrew Pudua. So I really can't wait to tell you all about it when I get back. So look for some blog posts on that. Well, in this episode of the podcast today, I am talking to Kendra Fletcher from the podcast Homeschooling in Real Life and the blog Preschoolers in Peace. Now, personally, I loved this episode of the podcast. Kendra is a type A introvert like me, and she really gives us some great pointers on how introvert moms who have a heart for homeschooling their kids can be effective teachers and still keep their sanity. So it really spoke to me. And even if you're not an introvert, I still think the advice is great for any kind of overwhelmed mom. So we will get right into that podcast after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by All About Learning Press, publisher of All About Reading and All About Spelling. Now, these are the reading and spelling programs that we use in our home. In fact, this year we're using four different All About Learning programs. We use All About Reading Pre-Level, All About Reading Two. All About Spelling 1 and All About Spelling 3. Now, I love these programs for a number of reasons. The number one reason is the ease of use. These programs are scripted and they're open and go. I don't have to follow the script, but it is there for me to use if I want to. And there's almost no prep. The other thing I really love about the programs is I am learning the rules to spelling and phonics that I never knew before. I learned to read with the look-say method, and there's just no wonder that I haven't had a lot of confidence in teaching my children how to read because I didn't know these rules. And speaking of confidence, the programs give me confidence that if I am consistent in following through with them, then I am doing everything that I need to do to make sure that I am going to have readers and spellers in my house. We're going to be successful. Now, the kids also love the program. They love the Ziggy Puppet. And there are also fun little pictures and games with every lesson. They really love the hands-on tiles. And believe it or not, I was totally blown away with how much they love the sticker progress chart that comes in the book. At first, I was really cheap, didn't buy the stickers, had them just color it in. And then I threw in the stickers with an extra order. And oh my goodness, you would have thought I had hung the moon. They love the sticker charts. 
One other thing that we really like about the program is they have some of the loveliest and most clever phonetic readers that I have ever seen. These are real books, not something that you print off on the computer and fold and hand to your child, but their very own real book that they can read. They're beautifully illustrated, and my kids just love the stories. So in the show notes, if you check over there, All About Learning has provided us a freebie today, the 20 best tips for teaching, reading, and spelling. So you can click over, get your free download, and then check out all of the great things that All About Learning has to offer. And now, on with the podcast. Kendra Fletcher is a mom of eight who homeschools in sunny California. She and her husband, Fletch, co-host the popular Homeschooling in Real Life podcast and blog where they inform and encourage Christian homeschool families. Kendra is a longtime encourager of homeschool moms. From her stints on the speaking circuit to her books, Circle Time, Plan the Best Part of Your Day, and her more recent work, Preschoolers in Peace. Hi, Kendra, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Pamela. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about your family. Well, we have two adult children now. They are almost 22 and 20. Uh, Our oldest is just about to finish his bachelor's degree. Our second is uh, had just started this year at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix. We have a high school senior who's a boy and a high school sophomore who's a girl. And then we have an eighth grade daughter, a fifth grade daughter, a second grade son. And then our last little guy is a delayed kindergartner. So quite the range there. Yes, it's just crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a lot of fun. Well, how did you guys get started homeschooling? You know, that is so funny because I feel like this is pretty much what I've devoted my life to the last 17 years, but I never wanted to homeschool and Mm -hmm. said, no, I will not do that. That just seems crazy to me. And we had this very precocious four-year-old boy who was bright and inquisitive and always in trouble. (laughs) And I thought, (laughs) this is a recipe for disaster in a kindergarten classroom. So I'm not going to put this kid in kindergarten. And I had friends who were homeschooling at the time or were at least, you know, kind of starting down that path. And I thought, okay, I'll do, you know, like a preschool thing at home. Well, (laughs) we started that in January. He turned five in March and he was reading in May. And yeah, and I thought, okay, so now I've got this precocious little boy who's in trouble a lot who knows how to read and putting him in a kindergarten classroom is just going to be terrible. He'll be bored. He'll really be in trouble. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll homeschool kindergarten. And by about, I would say maybe the middle of first grade, we knew this is what we were going to do. We were seeing the advantages and we just kept having babies. That was the other part too. And, you know, honestly, there was a part of me that just wondered how moms got other children out the door to school when they were nursing a baby. So, you know, there was some family management bonuses too. And of course, you know, the classic things we talk about as homeschoolers, relationships between our kids and with us. And, you know, there were just a lot of pros. So we kept at it. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when people ask me, how in the world do you homeschool? I'm like, how in the world do you get everybody up and (laughs) off to school on time in the morning? Well, I'll tell you, this is the first year ever we've had a child in school and it's our littlest guy who's special needs. And I put him, you know, shock of all shocks into a public school kindergarten classroom at a little country school near us because of their services and just some other things I wanted them to help me figure out with him. Mm -hmm. And so we put him in that kindergarten classroom. It's been absolutely fabulous for him. But I'm telling you what, getting that one child out Mm -hmm. the door in the morning about kills me (laughs) every day. So 
yeah, I don't, I, you know, hats off to moms who are getting a lot of kids out the door to school in the morning. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Well, Kendra, I want to ask you, I'm going to start you off with a little multiple choice question. Your homeschool (laughs) days are most like which literary classic? Would it be A, The Odyssey, B, Little Women, C, Swiss Family Robinson, or D, Lord of the Flies? Oh, it's so funny. As you were reading those, I'm thinking, if Lord of the Flies is not an option, (laughs) that's what I'm going to say. No, We have five sons, and it is loud and smelly, (laughs) and getting my second grade boy, who's almost eight years old, to just sit still for any amount of time, it's just... Yeah, it's constant crazy. And I, it's what's funny is that I have these friends who have three daughters and their home is like little women. And I remember going over there one morning and classical music was playing and there was a nice, beautifully smelling candle burning. And one of the daughters was sitting on the couch knitting and I burst out laughing. (laughs) (laughs) So this is so not my reality. So yeah, it's maybe more like Barnum and Bailey. (laughs) That's what my home is like. Nice circus. Yeah. You know, it's funny, we often have those, I know before I started homeschooling, I had this notion in my head that it was going to kind of be like that. We would all be sitting around the fire doing handicrafts and somebody would be reading aloud and we would be sipping hot cocoa and yeah, no, it looks nothing like that. No, no. It's 10 to 2 here in California right now. I haven't even eaten lunch. So that's pretty much what it's like. You know what? If it's 10 to 2 and you've had a shower, you've done really well. Well, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel. That's my motto. If I can shower before lunch. Well, I know you spend quite a bit of time on the speaking circuit. And so you spend a little bit of time in vendor halls. If you were walking down the aisle of a homeschool convention vendor hall and you were to run into the younger version of yourself, what advice would you give her? Wow, that's a great question. I like to tell moms and dads as they're just starting out and that vendor hall seems so overwhelming. Zero in on what your personality is as a mom. If you are primarily the one who's teaching, you know, zero in on what that is. If you are a mom who loves quiet and order and as sort of type A, I'm describing myself, (laughs) you know, like any of those things, then you need to do a little research and find out what homeschool method or approach really sort of fits your personality. And look at your reality as well. I mean, I know early on the idea of unit studies was totally out the window for me because I just kept having babies every other year. And it was too chaotic and running around and getting materials for things, you know, projects or whatever was completely overwhelming because I'm thinking, you know, me and five children under the age of eight in Michael's Mm. (laughs) is not going to happen, you know. And so early on, I recognized, I mean, I think it was just God's grace. I just sort of recognized what my personality was. And maybe part of it too is I was drawn to how we've always homeschooled simply because that was my personality. And so once you can do that and figure out where, you know, what sort of your strengths are, if you are the mom who likes to fly by the seat of your pants and needs to have art projects and, you know, lots of activity or needs to be involved in a co-op or things like that then that can help you narrow down those curriculum choices in a vendor hall. You can look at a math program that's highly reliant on mom sitting next to a student and say, that's not going to work for me, or that would be perfect for me and my students. So that's what I would tell myself. Just hone in on on your own strengths and weaknesses and what your needs of your kids are, your specific children. Right. You know, we spend a lot of time in homeschooling circles talking about 
learning styles and what's right for the kids. And that, you know, I think that's all really good because we can give our kids these personalized educations. But also, I think sometimes as moms, we would be a little happier if we focused a little more on what works for us. Absolutely. You know, because that's... example. Oh, just a, a practical example from this year. So I have a fifth grader and a second grader that I do most of the stuff with because my eighth grader is super independent. My high schoolers are super independent, you know, and then my littlest guy's away in the morning at kindergarten. So mostly my fifth and second grader that I'm, you know, really pouring into right now from day to day. And both of these kids love to create and they love crafts and they love all that. And that, that just makes me itch. Like that's (laughs) really hard for me. So what I ended up doing this year is I said, you know, I really, I do need to do some projects with these kids and like a weekly, maybe a Friday afternoon or, you know, whatever kind of a project with them. And so I made a Pinterest board (laughs) because this is very much my personality. And I made a Pinterest board and I found, you know, I just spent a couple hours one Saturday or something and found a bunch of projects and I labeled them by week. So for instance, September week one, September week two, they're sort of seasonal. It's very organized. I pre-screened them to make sure they weren't going to be projects that were completely overwhelming to me, you know, but were very doable. And so that's how I sort of meshed my personality with their personalities and their needs. So I felt like I could handle a project that I was completely prepared for. You know, if something is sprung on me, I don't do very well. But if I have it planned and I, you know, have a little list of things that we need to gather for that project or whatever, then I can do it. And it's not, you know, it's not going to make me hyperventilate. But it was also seeing to their needs as well and the things that they delight in. Right. That sounds like a great compromise. Well, it's born out of a lot of experience and failure, I think. (laughs) Yeah, my big thing is nature study. It's just something Uh, that I'm not, uh, yeah, no, it's just not me. And so I outsource it. Good. Yeah. Excellent. I send them to nature camp every time I get the chance. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, exactly. And that's a great, that's another practical way to do that. Yeah. Well, if you were going to be stranded on a deserted island, what three things would you take to homeschool? Mm, I would, do I have Wi-Fi on this, <laughs> on this island? <laughs> that is the number one question I get in return. <laughs> right? You know, I would probably, if I knew that I was going to be stranded, I would preload my Kindle to the hilt and just have, you know, have that. Although then I wouldn't have bad, I wouldn't have a way to plug it in, would I? That's, that's horrible. Okay. So likely homeschool material wise, it would be my Bible and probably my favorite classic, which is Les Miserables. And gosh, third thing. (laughs) You got me. Two great books, The Word of God. And yeah, that's probably it. (laughs) There you go. And a stick in the sand. And that's all you need. Well, probably my husband always says he would take instructions for building a raft. So (laughs) (laughs) good answer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What is the biggest challenge that you face as a homeschooler? Let's see, the biggest challenge, I think maybe the biggest challenge is that I am an introvert. In fact, I on the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ, which means that there are fewer than 2% of us in the world. <laughs> so I didn't realize that the reason I would stay up so late at night is just because I needed that space and that quiet. And I needed to know that nobody was going to interrupt my thought processes or you know whatever it was I was working on, whether it was menu planning or school planning or blogging or, you know, whatever, my Bible study, you know, Mm -hmm. anything that required a thought process to be able to carry, be carried out all the way through, because 
as you know, when we're raising these kids and they're home with us all day long, the standard is interruption. That's just the way it is. You know, it's just meeting people's needs, you know, all day long. So if I had been able to sort of tune into that a little earlier, I think we would have had a lot smoother days and I wouldn't have been so frustrated and downright angry sometimes too. And so now I see the triggers, you know, and can say, I need some space guys without feeling like I'm hurting anybody's feelings, but just explaining to them that, Hey mom needs some space, you know, and some quiet. So I think that's been the hardest thing is being an introvert in a household of so many people and so many needs. Right. Well, this is interesting to me because I'm an introvert as well. And I am not as far along on my homeschooling journey as you are. And there are probably a lot of other introvert moms out there who kind of wonder, you know, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel the need? You know, when we get done with school, I push back from the table and I tell my kids, okay, go away now and give me some (laughs) space, (laughs) you know, and it, it does kind of make me feel bad in a way, but you know, it's something I need. I really, really need it. Do you have any other tips for those introvert moms who are out there who really have a heart for homeschooling, but maybe struggle with it a little bit? Yeah, well, I would say also be very mindful of what else is pulling at you and what else takes sort of your social energy. There are just weeks when I will say I'm not going to go to this thing or I'm not, you know, because I've just hit my people level, (laughs) you know, or I've had to recognize that maybe I'm filling up my people with things that shouldn't take that time, you know, and sort of prioritizing and saying, all right, well, I'm not going to not go to church. You know, that's just not going to happen. So that needs to be on there and I need to sort of budget for that. I'm not going to not talk to my children. So that needs to be budgeted for also, or my husband at the end of the day. And so for years and years, co-ops have just not been our reality. Because I just felt like that was another social, you know, drain on me that left me exhausted. So that's what I would say to a mom who's an introvert and needs to manage a homeschool for at least a season, you know, really make a list of what are the most important social things you are doing. And then anything that falls below the line, just let it go. All right. That's great advice. What homeschool book has influenced you the most? Hmm. I would say at very much in the beginning, it was The Well-Trained Mind because we began homeschooling just maybe a couple of years before Jesse Wise and Susan Wise Bauer published their first edition of The Well-Trained Mind. And it opened up sort of a world of possibilities in terms of realizing that we could give our kids a, a very solid academic background. So I would say that was foundational mm-hmm. uh, and probably The Well-Trained Mind. Favorite family read aloud ever? Favorite family read aloud? Swallows and Amazons by Arthur Ransom. (laughs) And why do you like that one? I think it has been a book that both boys and girls have absolutely loved. It has a sense of adventure. It was written in the 1930s. So there's a real sort of traditional values in terms of honoring adults (laughs) in the book. (laughs) In the very beginning of the book, it opens with these children waiting to hear back from their father who's in the Navy and because they've asked his permission to go camping on an island for the summer. And so it just kind of starts out with this real good family, you know, strong family 
sense there. And then these kids are unlike we feel like we can do with our kids today. These kids are just sort of free. You know, they set up tent and sail their little uh, sailboat all around the lake. And it's just amazing to read that together. So I'm probably yeah, yeah. almost a foreign concept for our kids these days. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they would the younger ones would go play swallows and Amazons, you know, for hours. And I think I've read that book now three times. And I was just thinking today as I was tidying up the schoolroom that I should pull it out again this summer for my, my almost eight-year-old who's never heard it. So, yeah. Well, um, you know, one of the questions that I probably get most of all from readers or on my Facebook page or something like that is, how do you handle multiple ages? How do you juggle multiple ages when you're homeschooling? And I know that that's been one of your areas of expertise, you know, what to do with the little guys and how to juggle a wide range. So could you give us a few tips on that? Yeah. And my perspective has changed as I've gotten older. I think maybe I'm less idealistic, (laughs) a little more realistic about my own shortcomings. And so in that, I would say, as I always have said, the backbone to survival with managing a lot of ages is you have to have some sense of a schedule or routine. And it doesn't need to look like anybody else's. So we actually use sort of a flowchart system. And what's funny is I just published a post on that today on the homeschooling IRL site about flowcharts for the homeschool. And and that's just worked for us because it, it lends itself to flexibility. And as you know, when you've got multiple ages, you may have a baby who's, you know, teething. And so now you've got to put an extra nursing, you know, that day or the dog threw up in the schoolroom one time or that was lovely or, you know, I mean, just things happen. Right. And so, you know, when you're trying to manage that chaos somewhat and try to accomplish things, there's just got to be a backbone of some sort, whether that's a schedule that's, you know, hour by hour for you or a flow chart or clustering, you know, block schedule that I know you've done before, whatever it is, there needs to be some sort of a structure. And I tell free spirit moms all the time, you know, who just resist this so much that, if you can accomplish the things that have, like absolutely have to be accomplished, then you are free to be a free spirit with right. no lingering guilt or, you know, things that are hanging over your head that you're thinking, oh my goodness, we didn't do this today, or we're so behind in this, or gosh, we just never did history all year long. You know, those are pretty awful things to come to summertime and realize, oh, we just never got around to that because we were being free spirits. So if you can sort of tackle the big things um, in some sort of a scheduled or organized manner, then you are free the rest of the day, you know, or a week or whatever to be a free spirit. So that's a huge one. The other one I would say is get help. I wish earlier on I had recognized that help would have been a really, really healthy and good thing. So if you can, you know, in any sort of way, get help, whether that's a housekeeper, I don't tell people if you can only afford a housekeeper once a year, do that because they'll bail you out once a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you can get help with a mother's helper, a young woman at church who would love to just learn to work with your babies, or, you know, maybe that's only a couple hours a week. Good grief for a couple hours. You know, you can accomplish great things with your older kids. Help in the manner of online courses. I also this week published a post about how I don't teach math past sixth grade anymore. I'm just done with junior high and high school math um, for a lot of reasons. And one of them just being that it was something I could get off my plate. And my kids who've done these online math courses are thriving in them. Mm -hmm. um, And they're accountable to somebody else, but are getting better instruction than I would give them because that tends to fall to the bottom of my list. Unfortunately, math (laughs) falls to the bottom of my list. 
my personal list. So anyways, just, you know, whatever, in whatever way you can get help, get help. Right. We had a, a young lady who, man, she started when she was 12 and now she's 18. So this has been quite a while. Oh, who, fabulous. Who would just come a couple of times a week and work with the little kids. And it was great. And, you know, when she first started, when she was really young, I was here in the house with her. So it wasn't like I was leaving her here with the children by herself. Right. And, yeah. you know, she just came for the babysitting experience. She wanted to learn how to be a babysitter. And for a few years, I didn't pay her anything at all. Yeah. So there are probably homeschooling teens out there looking for that kind of experience. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, that blossomed into a relationship with a young woman in our home too, who was homeschooled. And then her mom turned her helping me into a course. And, you know, it was like a, oh goodness, child development course, because she helped me with my little guy's uh, neurodevelopmental therapy and learned how to do all that with him. And then she took over it for me and, you know, just different things. And I would make a list of things for her to do every day. And she would take that list home and her mom would, you know, check it off as school for child development. Nice. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There are ways to get help like that. Very nice. Well, those were great tips. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. Well, now I have a little pop quiz for you. No math, I promise. <laughs> Thank you. Are you ready? Yep. Coffee or tea? Tea. A little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? <laughs> rock and roll. Well-trained mine or Unschoolers Anonymous? Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> does that count? <laughs> yes, it does. I get that answer a lot. Okay. Early bird or night owl? Oh, night owl. Craft or read aloud? Read aloud. Lap book or workbook? Uh, lap book. Co-op or stay home? Stay home. <laughs> Bed made or unmade? Made. Bookmark or dog ear? <laughs> oh, dog ear. Sonnet or haiku? Sonnet. You know, you only surprised me with the dog ear. Ah, After talking to you, I pretty much knew what they all were going to be. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I know. It's funny how we touched on some of those even. That's great. Yeah, it was. Well, Kendra, where can people find you online? Yeah, mostly right now at homeschoolingirl.com. It looks like homeschooling girl, <laughs> but it's homeschoolingirl.com. And uh, we podcast weekly there and we, you know, put up relevant posts that go sort of with our topics. I also blog infrequently at Preschoolers in Peace and even more infrequently at KendraFletcher.com. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Pamela. It was great fun. And there you go. I hope you enjoyed listening today as much as I enjoyed chatting with Kendra. She is such an encouragement to homeschool moms and so much wisdom there too. So for links to everything that we talked about, including Kendra's podcast, Homeschooling in Real Life, just click on over to edsnapshots.com forward slash nine, where you can find everything you need and leave a comment for either myself or for Kendra. And if you enjoyed the podcast, I would love for you to leave a rating or review in iTunes. And I really want to thank all of the people who have already done so. It's so encouraging to read your words there. And I thank you for helping me get the word out about the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, you can come by the website to catch up on any old episodes and find out how to subscribe via email or in iTunes. And until then, keep on homeschooling. Homeschooling.